Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Are You a Fan? If you like this episode, give it a like, share, follow, and uh, you know what? Why don't you leave a comment down below and let us know what you think. So, as we do each week, I got a question for the audience and for my co-host, Joker. Okay, so... Say you were guaranteed to get powers, like some mystical being or some be like somebody's like, I'm gonna give you powers, make you stronger, faster, smarter, and be able to heal better. But I'm gonna have to kill you and resurrect you in my own time. So, and that do you accept? He doesn't tell you how. They don't tell you how they're gonna kill you, and they don't tell you how they're gonna bring you back. All you know is you're gonna be dead for uh, some period of time. Part of me is very hesitant because I hope it's not going to be a painful death. Because that's going to suck. I mean, like, if so, it's going to uh, be a quick way, then yes, I'd be 100% down. But, crow, but being beaten to death with a crowbar wouldn't be a go for you? You know. <laughs> no, the, the bomb later, yes. I mean, I think I'd go for it. I mean... If, especially if they're not going to tell me I'm going to die. You know what? You know, let's roll the dice on that. Can't be any better than living. <laughs> so that brings us into this week's character, a, uh, Jason Todd, a.k.a. the Red Hood. And for those of you who know the crowbar reference, you know. And for those of you who don't, you're about to find out. Okay, so let's start with real world. So Jason Peter Todd is a fictional character appearing in American comic books published by DC Comics. First appearing in Batman issue number 357 in March 1983. So a bit older than I thought. He really was. I thought he would be like in the 90s. At, at latest? Yeah. Because I, I know what made him really popular didn't really happen until the 2000s. Yeah, exactly. Like, So I knew he didn't first appear in the 2000s, but I was thinking like early 90s. Yeah, I figured at least mid. Yeah, same. So, Todd was created to succeed Dick Grayson as Robin, the superhero Batman's vigilante partner and sidekick, initially sharing a similar origin to Grayson, where his character uh, was then rewritten after the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Because, you know, DC and the Crisis events, they're like, we're just going to keep changing everything. Oh, right. I'm glad they did change it, because it's nice. I like his story now so much better than essentially just having another acrobat family dying. I think it's a lot better, and I've heard I've heard talks like a lot of, cre- a lot of the creators think like that's why the fans didn't like him, was and he was a carbon copy of Dick. Well, then we also kind of talked about that a little later as we talked about the events that led to him changing uh, characters. Okay, that's good. By the time Len, uh, by the time Len Wein. Once again, as always, disclaimer, we apologize if we butcher names. <laughs> we have a dyslexic and ADHD attempting to read here. So, by the time Len Wayne took over as editor of DC Comics, Batman titled in uh, 1982, Dick Grayson had largely moved on to starring as the leader of the young superhero team, the Teen Titans, in DC's new Teen Titans title. However, the character no longer featured in Batman comics, the disadvantages of telling Batman stories without a character to act as a sounding board for the protagonist became apparent. What that does, mate, it, it gave him a whole, I feel like it did give him like a Sherlock Watson. And it really did, but yeah, once you lose what you've had for so many years, everybody's gonna be able to pick up on that almost immediately. Yeah, it's gonna be noticeable. Yep. 
So Jason Todd was created as Dick Grayson's replacement as Robin. He made his first full appearance in Detective Comics 525 in April of 1983, but it wasn't until a year later that he would appear in costume as Robin in Batman 366 in December of 1983, when he showed up towards the end of the story to help Batman fight the Joker. Ironic that the first villain he faces is the one that uh, I was uh, later. <laughs> I was just about to say I'm like I'm like huh. Well, you can't you can't knock the writers in that they definitely knew how they knew how to arc that. Foreshadowing is foreshadowing. <laughs> okay, so uh, though initially popular, the character was written by Jim Starlin, uh, was not well received by fans. Following the revamping of his origin by Max Allen Collins in Batman issue number 408 through 409. Yeah, this character, when he first appeared, I, like this character got a lot of hate from fans. Yep. R- really reminds me of Damien nowadays. Even he doesn't have near as much hate. <laughs> True. I think, I, I think I, we'd have to do a poll. You know what? Let us know in the comments below. <laughs> So this uh, hate would lead DC to uh, hold a telephone poll in 1988's A Death in the Family storyline to determine whether or not the character would die at the hands of Batman's nemesis, the Joker. The poll would end with a a narrow majority of votes in favor of killing Todd, resulting in his death. The first, and I believe the only character to be voted on by fans to die. Oh, I think you're right. Because I've never heard of another story like it. Huh. I. Yeah. I think you're right. It's morbid. DC, man, what's going on? <laughs> okay, so subsequent stories dealt with uh, Batman's guilt over failing to save him. The character was resurrected in 2005's Under the, Under the Red Hood story. Or is that just Under the Hood story? That's just Under the Hood. Under the Hood story arc which saw him becoming a murderous anti-hero known as the Red Hood. I always mess that title up. <laughs> well, it's because there is the movie Under the Red Hood. Yeah. Which is weird, but... Is it called Under the Red Hood? Uh, for those of you listening to that, we may have some Mandela effects around the studio, so uh, <laughs> I don't even know if this is real. <laughs> Let's proceed. So following the 1985 limited series Crash on the Infinite Earth, DC took the opportunity to reboot many of its properties. The character was completely revamped, according to Dennis O'Neill, who took over as Batman editor in 1986. And quoting, the fans did hate him. I don't know if it was the fans' craziness. Maybe they saw him as usurping Dick Grayson's position. Some of the male responses did indicate that that was at least some of the people's minds. Which makes sense, because you have him literally taking over Dick's position. He's the popular Robin at the time. Mm, It, It is. It's seeing him as being replaced by someone that they don't really care for anyways. Yeah. And they get rid of a fan favorite for it. Yeah. And fans are not fans are, have never really been happy when that happens in any of the stories, in, that, in any story, any kind of media. Like I've seen it. I've seen that destroy and kill shows. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like generally if they replace a character on a show or a comic and that, that's that last, that's that show's last season. Very rare. The only time I've seen it really be successful has been the Batwoman TV show. I did hear about it. I heard it actually. Yeah, it did work, which is one of the few times. It's uh, so, yeah, definitely a rarity. In 1988, Dennis O'Neill suggested that an audience might be attracted to the to the comics by being offered the opportunity to influence the creative process. 
I never agree with that. <laughs> but setting, uh, settling on the idea of the telephone pole via a 1-900 number, <clears throat> O'Neill had decided due to discussion with DC Comics President Janet Janet Khan that the poll should not be wasted on something insignificant. O'Neill settled on using the poll to determine the fate of the second Robin. Definitely, definitely not insignificant as we're going to find out. (laughs) But he's not wrong because you can't just use that on anything. It's got to be something that's going to matter. Yeah, that the fans are actually going to pay attention to. Yeah, but otherwise they're not going to care and you're not going to get anything. Right. So O'Neill said that the logical candidate was Jason because he had no reason to believe that he wasn't the popular that popular anyways. It was a big enough stunt that we couldn't do it with a minor character. Even though Jason Todd was unpopular with the readers, O'Neill could not decide whether to what to do with the character, so he opted to present the choice to the readership. Which I mean is definitely interesting. Yeah. And it's an interesting way to get that series out. It definitely is, and I, I kind of... Okay, so knowing that he... Wasn't sure where to go with it. That makes sense why he would allow the fans to like yeah. kind of decide for him. Because like I'm not a big fan of like fan influence on most things. Because no offense, fan, we're all kind of idiots in that. Like we don't know what the writers are actually doing, but clearly this guy didn't know either. So right worked out. So the vote was set up in the four part or in the four part story, Death in the Family. That was published in Batman issue number 426 through 429 in 1988. At the end of Batman issue number 427, Jason was beaten by the Joker and left to die in an explosion. The in uh, the inside back cover of the issue listed two one, uh, 1-900 numbers that readers could call to vote for the character's death or survival. Yeah... <laughs> Arguably one of the most iconic scenes, too. Oh, yeah. And so within the 36 hours allotted for voting, the poll received 10,614 votes. The verdict in favor of the character's down, uh, death won by a slim 72-vote uh, margin with uh, 530 or 5,343 votes to 5,271. The following issue, Batman 428, was published featuring Todd's death. Yeah, that is uh given the numbers, that yeah, that is that a, really, really is. That really it's is like a, you, you think he's like, oh seventy one, that's not that close. They're like, no, when you got ten thousand people voting. <laughs> oh man, Jason Todd, you were so close to making it. <laughs> so but honestly, I'm glad he didn't, because that, otherwise we wouldn't get what we're gonna get. So years later, O'Neill said hundreds of votes in the uh, Jason Jason dies. Uh, line might have come from a single person, adding a large degree of uncertainty to the honesty of results regarding the poll designed to determine the character's popularity. O'Neill would repeat this claim again later on that since there was only about 65 votes that made the difference, if that story is true, the guy that, uh, uh, if, if that story is true, that guy, that guy killed Jason Todd is what he's basically saying. Yeah. Which, and if that is, is, is there technology was advanced enough at the time it's possible, but the fact that they don't even know for sure, it it's, makes it very uh, interesting. I rem- man, it blows my mind that one point technology was advanced enough that somebody could pull this off, 
but it's not advanced enough that they couldn't figure out if they actually did it. Right. Oh. Uh, so despite the poll results, O'Neill noted, we did the deed and we got a blast of hate mail and blast of negative commentary in the press. A few comic creators voiced their displeasure at the event. Writer-artist Frank Miller, who had worked on Batman The Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One, said, To me, the whole killing of Robin thing was probably the ugliest thing I've seen in comics and the most cynical. Which, I mean, it's fair, because it is, it is a kid. Yeah. I can't blame him on that. It's it's honestly pretty dark when you think about it. Really is. About it and like, because you're like, oh, I mean, like he didn't win by that much. Yeah, but no, still like, still five thousand people called in wanting a child to die. Yeah, that when you really break it down, f- over five thousand people were like, "Oh no, 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 kill that kid." We don't like him. Get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so real effed up if you think about it that way. So, however, DC stood behind the outcome of the poll. O'Neill was uh, quoted on the back cover of a of a death in the family tr- uh, trade paperback collect uh, collecting the story with Todd's death as saying it would be a really sleazy stunt to bring him back. O'Neill would later regret his comment. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially, I bet he regrets it. Especially seeing how popular this character becomes. Oh yeah. There was a degree of discontinuity between the Batman and Detective Comic titles with regards to the portrayal of Jason. A lot of adventures occurred post-crisis, which fit the circus acrobat era, and in some cases ran simultaneously in in Detective as the street kid origin uh, was being laid out in Batman. This led to a blackout of almost any Robin appearances in Detective. This became especially apparent after his death 11 months past between Jason's death in Batman 428 and the first mention of his passing in Detective Comics in 606. It's just really bad that you guys have that much of a discontinuity between your comics. Oh, yeah. That's... That it takes almost a year. Maybe ease up on the uh, on the crises. <laughs> that would be the best. Just stop, either stop doing them or make sure everything lines up the same afterwards. Yeah, maybe have a meeting with all the writers and all the char- like character owners and just be like, okay, so we're going to reset the universe again, but we need to all work on this and figure out how we're going to start it. Oh, yeah. So Loeb explained, I always liked Jason. Like, uh, liked the idea that Batman had a Robin who died in the line of duty and how that would motivate anyone to continue their quest. It would also be the most recent, most painful thing he had to endure. That's why Hush played the, uh, played the card to get inside Batman's head. But Hush wasn't about, uh, wasn't about Jason. Jason was a pawn to be moved around the table. If someone else wanted to tell another Jason story or bring him back, back and we at least open we at least open the door, that's great. And yeah, they definitely did set up the possibility. Oh yeah. But I do like what he says where it's kind of nice that they did have the story of a Robin who died in duty because yeah, that would definitely mess with Batman and his mentality and it would force him to change his ways. And I like it too because it gives like because Batman's always about the mission. That's what you always hear. The mission. The mission. You're going to lose people in the mission. Yep. And I like that they did that. Oh, definitely. So in 2005, writer Judd Winnick began the Under the Red Hood storyline uh, that revolved around the mystery of the identity of the new Red Hood. The character's identity was revealed as Jason Todd in Batman issue 638. 
Winnick explained that after his initial arc on the Batman title, he suggested doing something big to his editor. Specifically, he wanted to bring the character back from the dead. Winnick said, I was less interested in the how and why and the, and the what of Jason Todd returning from the dead at, that I am about Jason's return, what his return will do to Batman now. Which is also another kind of thing that you know is going to mess with Batman. Because like, <laughs> oh, he's back from the dead. Now I've got to live with my failure. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Get to verbally be reminded of it. A lot. Yeah. Jason is not shy about that. No, he keeps beating that dead horse. <laughs> <laughs> Put the crowbar down, Jason. Okay, so now let's move on to in-universe. Okay, so the initial version of Jason, J. Todd, from Before Crisis on Infinite Earths, had an origin that was similar to the 1940s origin of the original Robin, Dick Grayson. Originally the son of a circus acrobat, Joseph Todd and uh, Trina Todd, killed by Killer Croc, and is later adopted by Bruce Wayne. Uh, Distinguished by his red hair, Todd wears various pieces of Dick Grayson's old childhood disguises as a costume to fight crime until Grayson presents him with a Robin costume of his own. At that point, Todd dyes his hair black and in later stories blossoms under Batman's tutelage. And yeah, just off of that short analysis of his get-go, that is just a complete copy-paste. It really was, and I am so glad they changed it. Oh, so glad they changed it. And honestly, I, I prefer the new version. Oh, definitely. It, it, it adds uh, a lot to him Sometimes, yeah, and sometimes that just shows. Sometimes the crises, they do fix some things when they happen. Yep. So let's get into it. So, following the revamp due to crisis on Infinite Earths, Jason Ties recasts his young street orphan who first encounters Batman while attempting to steal the tires off the Batmobile in Crime Alley, the very place where Batman's parents were murdered years before. If I remember correctly, too, I think he, like, at least gets one off. Like We it, do talk about that later, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Because I remember that's what impressed Batman about him. He's like, what? <laughs> Okay, so the son of Catherine and Willis Todd, Jason lived on the east end of Gotham City in the Park Row District called Crime Alley. You just know it's a bad city considering that's a name of an alley. <laughs> right. Uh, Catherine was a drug addict who died of an overdose sometime before he began living on the streets. Willis, a former medical student, was working as hired muscle for Two-Face and had disappeared suspiciously following the botched assignment. If you know, if you're going to medical school, I'm pretty sure you could get, you could work for some of these crime bosses. as just like a, like a guy pulling out bullets of the cronies. Oh yeah, totally. Like, why would you be the muscle? Use that training. You may not have had a choice. Not bad. Okay. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> so Bruce, uh, Bruce Wayne sees to it that Todd is placed in a school for troubled youth, which turns out to be my gun school for crime. So apparently, as I'm reading through, but you were right, and I guess it doesn't go back over it, but yeah, he, he did get a tire off the Batmobile. Ah, yes. Which, I mean, impressive. Right. Okay, so Jason earns the Robin mantle a short while later by helping Batman apprehend the gang of thieves. Uh, the gang of thieves. However, Todd does not wear the Robin costume until completing six months of training. At least Batman's staying consistent with this whole training thing. Right. He's not just throwing them in. It's like, it's like, hey man, you know how to steal a tire? Come out here and dodge bullets with me. 
I mean, that's still kind of what happened. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So Batman notes that while Todd does not possess Grayson's natural ath- uh, athleticism and acrobatic skills, he can be a productive crime fighter by channel- channeling his rage. He also believes that if he doesn't help the boy, Todd will eventually become part of the criminal element. <laughs> Honestly, he wouldn't have been wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, wouldn't have been wrong. I grant it doesn't get any better in the long run. Well, I guess it does eventually. Yeah, it he, does. he is a part of the Bat family now. But it definitely goes through some downward spirals before we go upwards. Yeah. <laughs> so in the revamp period, Todd is portrayed as the Rebel Robin, reflecting the late uh, the late 1980s youth culture. He smokes, swears, and fights authority. He is prone to defying Batman's orders, sometimes to success, bringing in Scarecrow single-handedly, which is impressive. Go back and watch our episode on Scarecrow. And sometimes to a failure, be uh, botching a raid on a drug lab by jumping the gun too soon. Uh, Todd also aided Batman while Gotham City was temporarily overrun by uh, Deacon Blackfire, as shown in Batman the Cult. So, yeah, like... uh, I mean, he's a kid. It, it's it's going to happen. He's going to mess up. Yeah, he's going to mess up, which, you know, arguably botching a, dr- a drug raid and that, not the biggest mess up he's going to have. No, but it does kind of show his tendencies early on because he's known for being hot-headed and going too quickly. Oh, God, he is. Not an understatement. Jason Todd would later discover that Catherine Todd was not his biological mother and runs away to find the woman who gave birth to him. After following several leads, including an Israeli Mossad agent uh, and Shiva Wu, Wusan, Todd finally tracks his biological mother, Sheila Haywood, to Ethiopia, where she works as an aid worker. I'll say at least your mom's better. Your real mom's an aid worker, not a druggie. (laughs) Yeah. Still kind of like, still kind of like, not great that she just abandoned him. Well, we don't know the circumstances. Fair, fair. Okay, so uh, while Todd is overjoyed to be reunited with his real mother, he soon discovers that she is being blackmailed by the Joker, using her to provide him with medical supplies. Which is one of those that sounds bad, but like, who's gonna say no to the Joker? Like that you do, you, you you're, you're dead. dead. So that's like, that's I can't convenient. blame her. It's convenient suicide at that point. Uh, Sheila herself has been embezzling from the aid agency, and as part of the cover-up, she hands her son, having arrived as Robin, over to Joker. Okay, now that's a little step too far. But, I mean, I don't Um, know. As unfortunately, it's still not, it's still understandable. (laughs) As bad as it becomes in a couple paragraphs. Yeah, it's getting real dark in that. A little bit of a disclaimer warning, uh... It's about to get dark. Yep. So, the Joker, after being handed Robin, beats the boy brutally with a crowbar and leaves him and Sheila in a warehouse with a time bomb. How Sheila... could you? <laughs> uh, Sheila and Jason try desperately to get out of the warehouse, but are still inside as the bomb goes off. Batman would arrive too late to save them and find Jason's lifeless body in the rubble. Damn, Joker, did you have to kill both of them? <laughs> I don't know if that's really something to be laughing at. Uh, I'm just more <laughs> laughing that your name is Joker on our podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> okay. 
Might have to do some cutting there. Okay, so Sheila lives just long enough to tell Batman that Jason died trying to protect her. <laughs> Lying on your deathbed. That's awesome. Well, I well, don't doubt that he would have tried to protect well, her. Well, we but just like, talked that they were trying to escape together, so he oh, was trying. Yeah. But nice leaving out the part where you're the reason they were there. Yeah. Uh, the bodies are taken back to Gotham City for burial. Do- uh, Todd's death continues to haunt Batman afterwards. Uh, as the as he considered it his greatest failure, he keeps the second Robin uniform on display in the Batcave as a reminder. The Joker, on the other hand, would occasionally remind Batman of this loss to torment him. But, you know, of course, Joker's gonna do I that. I because Joker's gonna be Joker, right? Yeah, you are. <laughs> so, into resurrection. Years later, while trying to discover the identity of a mysterious figure plotting against him, Batman would discover that Tim Drake, Jason's successor as Robin, would, had been kidnapped. He confronts the kidnapper and is stunned to discover that it is an adult Todd, standing at his own desecrated gravesite and wearing a redesigned and darker version of the Robin costume. But wait, there's more. <laughs> so Batman uh, subdues this mystery, Jason, and discovers that it is only Clayface impersonating Todd concluding that Jason's greatest physical age was to hide the flaws in Clayface's impersonation by allowing him to partially mimic Nightwing's combat skill. However, Todd's actual body is missing from the grave. Ooh. <laughs> like, I mean, that's kind of a cool, like, man, that would mess with me too. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Like, like I love, cause we're going to, uh, you know, let's, let's proceed. <laughs> So it is, year, it is later revealed that Todd had indeed died at the hands of the Joker. However, when Superboy Prime alters reality, Jason Todd is restored to life as he was meant to survive the Joker's assaults. Uh, he breaks out of his coffin and eventually is hospitalized because he has wa- uh, wandered so far from the grave before his discovery. No connections were ever drawn between those two events. Which makes sense and is fair. Yep. Uh- I'm just saying though, like the luck though that Clayface and Hut, like Clayface had to do that, and then he just <laughs> happens to break out of the grave. Like that had to mess with Bruce. Oh, definitely. After spending a year in coma and subsequently another year as an amnesiac vagrant, he is taken by Talia Al Ghul. After a small time, crook recognizes him as Robin due to his combat skills on on the street. Which, I mean, lucky, but man, that's got to be a messed up way to like wake up, get out of a grave, and just not know who you are. Yeah, that, that's going to be rough. Though it does show that his training is just so secondhand that even without his memory, he can still do it. My God, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> oh man, that works but better than I thought it would. <laughs> so Talia would take Todd out, uh, take Todd in out of her love for Batman. While her father, Rajal al Ghul, was interested in the secret behind his resurrection. The League of Assassins tracked and eliminated everyone in Gotham who knew of Todd's resurrection to prevent Batman from finding out. Because, you know, League of Assassins, that's what they're going to do. Right. Also, Talia just has a history of just like, like, I did it for Bruce. No, you didn't. No, you didn't, you crazy woman. No, most of the time, yeah, she does. Uh. It just leads into other things. But no, most of the time, her stuff does start out of... For Bat, for Bruce. Yeah, in a crazy, in a crazy stalker X kind of way. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, so uh, they also interrogated Joker's henchmen who were with him during Todd's murder. 
in hopes to find out how the boy could have survived. Uh, Talia later restored Todd's health and memory by immersing him in a Lazarus pit in which her father was also bathing and helped him escape the house of Al Ghul. And that is where the problem really kind of arose. (laughs) Yep. Oh, man, just so much chaos is going to start here. Uh, So it's suggested by Roz that the power of the pit resulted in Todd's mental instability. Uh, Raj would then refer to Todd as a curse and a pestilence unleashed on the planet, saying that the madness may affect him for hours, months, or decades. Because even they don't know, really, the extent of their own pit. Yeah. To be completely honest. I mean, the most they have to go off of is mostly Raz al Ghul, who at this point has done it so many times, he has that on lock. Yeah. So he don't really count. Yeah. Doesn't count when you have a seasoned dude who knows. Well, has you've mental, done it for centuries. Yeah, who has mental training and like monk-like focus, versus a punk kid who was given a batarang and told, "Hey, go run over these boxes." And already had, and already had anger issues. Using the money by Talia, infuriated by her statement that he remains unavenged, Todd paid a group of mercenaries to help him return to Gotham. Upon arriving, he enacts a plan to get revenge on Batman, whom he resents for refusing to kill the Joker and thus avenge his death. Which, I mean, I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's one of those, like, everything Jason does, it's like, man, that's wrong, but, man, I get it. Especially at the beginning. It's like, a lot of it made sense the way he did things. It's like, nah, don't blame you. Yeah. (laughs) Probably wouldn't do it myself, but I don't blame you. It's one of those, like, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I'm also not saying you're wrong. Right. So, Jason Todd creates a false arms trafficking of advanced military arsenal, knowing Batman would respond. This provides provides Jason an opportunity to plant a bomb beneath the Batmobile while Batman is on, uh, on a stakeout for the arms deal. Batman would enter the car and is at Jason's mercy, detonator in hand. However, Todd realized that if he went through it, his mentor, his former mentor would never know uh, about his return nor the identity of his killer. And that kind of, like, man, knowing how close Jason was to getting his revenge, though. Yeah. Like, it's straight up, like, like eye for an eye revenge. I get why, though, he didn't do it, though. Because he wants Bruce to know. Oh, yeah. So Todd instead decides to kill Batman directly by traveling across the globe in search of a similar but deadlier type of training to Bruce Wayne's own to prepare for that day. Which there's a lot of people in that in in the DC universe who have a grudge against Bruce and I'm sure wouldn't be shy about training an enemy of his. Oh, definitely not. Then, because so for years, uh, Todd would learn various skills from various masters, assassins, mercenaries, and aviators around the globe, including guns, poisons, antitoxins, martial arts, acrobatics, and bomb making. Because unlike Bruce, when he went around, he just learned martial arts. Yeah. This guy went and learned just how to use weapons. Right? It's like, it's like I need to know how to take somebody out. <laughs> In just about every humanly possible way. Right. Like, I want to be able to look into a person's in person's like junk cabinet, and I want to make sure every man in that house is dead. <laughs> okay, so upon learning that the man training him in lethal combat is also the leader of a child sex ring, uh, Jason frees the latest shipment of children and takes them to a local embassy. 
then returns to the training compound and poisons his new mentor for his crime. Upon being questioned by Talia Al Ghul, Todd says it was not murder, but rather that he put down a reptile. Jason has since repeated the same pattern of killing his teachers when finding them guilty after he has finished with his training. I mean, in a weird way, he's making sure nobody else becomes him. I'm just saying, though, also, Sith vibes. Oh, yeah, Sith definitely. vibes. Rule of two vibes I'm, I'm picking oh, up yeah. here. <laughs> nice to know that Jason would have uh, gone to the dark side. Oh, he's the Anakin. He went straight. Uh, not even. He went straight to the dark side. He went so quick. <laughs> even Anakin took longer. Yeah, true. <laughs> also, Anakin never really took out his master till the end. This guy's efficient. Oh, yeah. He took out a lot of them. So during his journey, uh, Jason would discover his Robin replacement would be was Tim Drake, which further torments him. Because he he had a weird one of he it was almost like a kid learning they were gonna have a new baby sibling. He couldn't handle being replaced. I mean, yeah, but almost worse because it's like that kid died, his ghost came back, and he's like, "You had another?" <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Was it been like a year? You guys didn't even wait. Oh, man, this is a morbid joke episode. So also, uh, he also learns that the man teaching him bomb making is involved in a Russian mafia backed uh, back deal meant to push the resources of British law enforcement away from mob crime and onto Islamic extremist terrorism with a framed bombing plot. Todd manages to hunt down the gang and safely detonate the bomb. Ironically, the only surviving member of the gang offers Jason the position of a large government. Oh, uh, apparently he offers uh, Jason the possibility of a large government payday in exchange for his life because he knows where a very wanted man is. That wanted man turns out to be the Joker. Which... If it's not Batman, Joker's the other name that would have gotten Jason to do just about anything yep. at the time. This guy, oh man, this guy was just lucky he had that in his back pocket. Right. He got very lucky. He also got very lucky of who he was dealing with. Oh, yeah. And so after learning of the Joker's arm deal in uh, Los Angeles for another terrorism scheme against Gotham, Jason begins to stalk the villain as a masked assassin. As, after successfully capturing the Joker, who fails to recognize him doing being older... Uh, Jason contemplates burning his killer alive after dousing him with gasoline. However, Jason realizes that he does not simply want Joker to die, but desires to punish the villain with Batman. Which I get it, but also this is the Joker we're talking Should've about. Should have just done it. Yeah, like, Joker is, is definitely that prime character where it's like, just kill him. Just kill him now. I don't care what he says. I don't care if he has your family or whatever. Take him out now, because you're not going to live. If you let him live. Nope. And so many other people are going to suffer because you didn't let him, or you didn't do anything. Yep. Like, Joker's, yeah, no. Okay, so Jason also admits to Talia that he has already deduced that the reason she finances his training is to sell, uh, is to stall him from killing Batman. But he has no desire to kill his former mentor anymore. Talia then gives Todd the idea to be the Batman that Gotham needs. I mean, in a weird, sick, twisted way, honestly, he kind of does become that. Yeah. It's one of those, like, I know it's a, a huge point of debate nowadays about Batman's no-kill code. 
And Jason, I think, is the answer to that. Yeah. I think as, as we're kind of just talking with the Jokers, like he's the big example of why Batman's code is not that great. Yeah. I mean, I get it because Batman at least understands that he's mentally unstable and he, he know he knows <laughs> he might as well become the Joker after he kills him. Exactly. The Joker is Batman's latest chip. He ain't going to stop at one. Yeah. So Talia also hires the same carpenters who built Jason's casket and had them build a replica of it. The original being destroyed uh, and beyond repair after Jason emerging from it. Uh, Todd enters into a pact with Hush and the Riddler. He confirms to Hush and the Riddler that, uh, that the Riddler is correct and Bruce Wayne is Batman. As Hush, Riddler, and Jason collaborate, Jason initially confronts Batman at his gravesite. Jason then switches places with Clayface to observe Batman from afar. When Batman expresses no more remorse, remorse for sparing Joker's life after the second Robin was killed, Todd is further angered and takes up his murderer's original mantle. Yeah, man, this guy was like plotting... So many threads to this. Oh, it really was. Okay, so after uh, after she initiated the, a takeover of Cord Industries for him, Talia gives Jason the Flame Dagger, a replica of the one Ra's al Ghul often carried, and the red helmet, which became his signature weapon and mask. And we say weapon because it's got some features. Oh, yeah, it is a weapon on its own. Right. So a Robin-bearing mask is found in the Batmobile, which belonged to Tim, which never belonged to Dick or Tim, but is the is of the style that Todd wore as Robin, suggesting that he had been stalking Batman. So you know what better way to mess with your mentor's mentality than leaving your own old costume around? Oh, dude, right? Man, like he is going for Bat. Okay, though so- I do kind of like how that kind of brings it up that each of the Robins have their own version of a mask. That like, is kind of cool. Other, even though it's just a domino mask, they each have a slightly different style to it. Just altered enough to just, like... And Batman would know the difference. Oh, yeah. So, Jason Todd reappears in Gotham City as the Red Hood. He hijacks a shipment of kryptonite from Black Mask, and in the midst of a battle with Batman, Nightwing, and Mr. Freeze, Red Hood gives them the kryptonite back and tells them he has gotten what he truly wanted, a lay of the land. Shortly afterward, Red Hood finds the Joker and beats him with a crowbar just as a as Joker had beaten Jason. I mean He's got a thing for cruel irony. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, you gotta give him credit. The man knows his irony. So Red Hood then assumes control over several gangs in Gotham City and starts a one-man war against Black Mask's criminal empire. Cause you know, what what better way to, you know, piss off your mentor than become a crime lord. Right? So Overall, he does strive to take over Gotham's gangs, control their activities, and kill the Joker in revenge for his death. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> and, all, like, yeah, Black Mask ain't no pushover either. And really as, as far as a criminal empire goes, like, Black Mask definitely ain't no Joker, but, he, yeah, he ain't exactly a pushover character. So, in his new role as Gotham's most powerful crime lord, he repeatedly comes to blows with Batman and several of his allies. After several confrontations, Batman becomes obsessed with the possibility of resurrection from the dead, suspecting that it was Jason he fought and seeks advice from allies such as Superman and Green Arrow, both of whom have died and returned to life. I mean, at this point, who hasn't, man? (laughs) Bruce. (laughs) I don't think he's died. He's come close. Do the Omega Beams count as a death? 
because it's sent him through time, but I think his body in present time? I don't know. We'll have to look into that. <laughs> so around this time, Batman discovers as discovers the empty coffin buried at Jason's gravesite as a replica of what he bought. After a series of tests confirmed that it was Jason, Batman remains to uh, keep his Robin costume in its memorial display in case uh, in the Batman regardless. Or, yeah, we're going to restart that. <laughs> After a series of tests confirmed that it was Jason, Batman remains to keep his Robin costume in its memorial display case in the Batcave regardless. Uh, when Alfred asks if he wants the costume removed, Batman sadly replies that uh, with the return of Todd, doesn't change anything at all because of wanting to remember Jason the way he was when they first met and guilt over how violent he has become. And fair, fair. That's one thing I will say I've always appreciated. Like, I don't care what people say about Batman's no kill policy. What I appreciate about Batman is at least he doesn't let himself off the hook or justify the wrongs he's done. Right. He knows he's done wrong and he's willing to remind himself of it to be better. <laughs> So, acting on his obsession with Tim Drake, Todd breaks into Titan's Tower to confront the third Robin, thus revealing the truth of their encounter at the cemetery to his successor. Having learned that Tim defeated the Joker by himself in their first fight, Jason seeks to best him in combat. (laughs) Which is fair, but that's also another thing of Jason's mentality is, hey, this dude did better than I did and beat the guy that beat me, so I gotta beat him now. You got to admit, though, in a weird roundabout way, this is like real straight up brother family mentality. Oh, it definitely is. <laughs> like before like, they all accepted each other. Right. Like your new one. I got to see if I can beat you up. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so wearing another version of his Robin costume, Todd quickly immobilizes the other Teen Titans and strikes Drake, uh, Drake down in the Tower Hall of Fallen Titans. Furious that no memorial statue is made for him, despite his short tenure as a Titan. He demands that Drake tell him if he's if he is as good as Todd has been told. Drake says yes and passes out. <laughs> so I don't know if that really uh, adds to your statement there, uh, Tim. Yeah, but I also get the rage of like not having a memorial. Oh yeah, like hey guys, I may not have been here like for the whole time the Titans existed in that, but I was a member. <laughs> Okay, so as he leaves, he tears the R emblem from Drake's chest, though he later uh, begrudgingly admits that Drake is a worthy successor. Todd is also left wondering if perhaps he would have been a better Robin and a and better person had he had a life like Drake's and friends like the Titans. And maybe, man, like, who's to say? Honestly, he, he probably would have been if he had more than just Bruce. Yeah. I think the problem was this was an angry person and Bruce, yeah, Bruce, he needed it, friends. He didn't and need. And it was still early enough. Bruce didn't know really yet how to handle the kids. Yeah. And so. the Robins. Like, he'd only been through one and his immediate next one dies fairly quickly. <laughs> so he doesn't have a lot of experience yet. Yeah, that was a rough one. So Todd eventually kidnaps and holds the Joker hostage, luring Batman to Crime Alley, the site of their first meeting. Despite their now antagonistic relationship, Batman desperately wants to help Todd and intends to atone for his failures. Todd asks Batman why he has not avenged his death by killing the Joker, a psychopath who has murdered countless people and crippled one of their best friends, arguing that Batman should have done it because he took me away from you. Which, I mean, it is one of those, like, yeah, come on, man, like, the... Joker's the one 
man. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> take him out. He's just too dangerous. Okay, so Batman admits that he has often been tempted by the thoughts of taking the Joker uh, somewhere private to torture him for weeks before finally killing the maniac, but says that he refuses to go to that place. Todd then offers Batman an ultimatum. He will kill Joker unless Batman kills Todd first. Holding Joker at gunpoint, he throws a pistol at Batman and begins to count three while standing behind Joker, leaving Batman with only a headshot if he wants to stop Todd from pulling the trigger. Which, you know, that's a way to do it, but uh, this is Batman. Right. Uh, you gotta be real careful when you, you give any kind of, especially ultimatum to Batman. He's gonna find a way to do something you don't want him to do. Right? Because at the last moment, Batman throws a battering at Todd, which bounces off the pipe and sinks into his neck, causing him to drop his gun. Joker takes advantage of the situation, detonating nearby explosives that engulf the platform and send them plunging into the bay. Because, of course, somehow Joker still has explosives. Right? Uh. But, honestly, the the best thing I've ever seen of this scene is in the, the movie Under the Red Hood. I will say, like... That's one thing I will say with uh, bat or with DC's adaptations into like cartoon movies and that amazing, amazing cartoon movie adaptations. Oh yeah, I do highly recommend anybody listening to this go watch Under the Red Hood. You can stream it. If nothing else, please look it up on YouTube for just this scene. That scene is just powerful, and it's a, also you get to see a badass fight leading up to that scene between Batman and Jason, and then after, <laughs> and then after. <laughs> But yeah, no, amazing scene, loved it. So that's uh, that's kind of what we got for Red Hood. Um, let's get into weapons and skills. Okay, so unlike some of the other Robins, even and unlike even Batman, Jason has a little bit of a pick me up with his abilities, called the Lazarus Enhanced Capabilities. Basically, the Lazarus bit doesn't just bring you back to life; it also makes you go God mode. Or super soldier mode, whichever you prefer. As of his perfect resurrection by the... I wouldn't call it a perfect resurrection. By the Lazarus Pit, he no longer ages and regenerates from injuries at a very fast rate. Allowing him to practically cheat death on several occasions. His strength, speed, stamina, agility, reflexes, durability, and metabolism uh, uh, slash immune system have been enhanced even further. So yeah... Oh man, I want Lazarus Pit, man. <laughs> See, if that's how we get to bring, be brought back, I'm cool. Right? I'll take that. Heck yeah. Okay, so he's also an a- expert acrobat, uh, peak human conditioning, peak human strength. Jason's strength is at the peak of human uh, potential. He is strong enough to break through sub- a submarine hull with a single punch effortlessly lift a man over his head with one hand and throw him several meters through an airplane window, casually kick an airplane door off the hinges while it's flying, send Deathstroke flying with a kick, break the neck and arm of uh, superhuman Talon, uh, throw an alien with one hand, flip Susie Sue on her head. She weighs over 600 pounds. Uh, hold the roof of a collapsed building and support the weight of an enormous cruise missile for an extended period of time. I mean, I could go on and on. Like, he's... Dude, the guy's beast. 
and that he even took like he's taking on people like Supergirl, man, and Bane. This guy ain't no slouch. Okay, let's go peak human speed. He can run and move and incredible speeds comparable to the finest human athletes, much faster than normal humans. He has outrun a moving vehicle and hit Green Arrow before he can even react. Now, anybody who knows Green Arrow, that's impressive. Really is. Like Green Arrow, that's kind of his thing is being able to like draw and like shoot you before you get close. And that. Okay, so peak human stamina. His highly trained and developed body generates uh, considerably less fatigue toxins and is much more resistant to fatigue toxins than normal humans, granting him exceptional endurance and long uh, lung capacity. He can exert himself at peak capacity without slowing down for several hours before showing signs of fatigue or be- uh, or begin uh, tiring, even if he is extremely exhausted physically and mentally. Which hours? Man, most MMA fights, like, what, 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 10 minutes? And both those people look like they're going to pass out. <laughs> so, I'll give you guys an idea there. So, also, human agility. Agil- uh, Jason's agility is greater than that of a Chinese acrobat and superior to an Olympic gold athlete gymnast that has ever, co- that has ever competed. Like, yeah, he, he's taking home gold. He can coordinate his body with flawless balance, equilibrium, flexibility, body uh, coordination, dexterity. Jason can vertically jump at least 10 to 15 feet, which for a human, man. Very impressive. Yeah. Okay, so uh, peak human reflexes, similar to his speed. His, his reflexes are, like, he took, he was able to out outdraw basically Green Arrow. That's all you need to know about reflexes and speed. Uh, peak human durability. His muscles and bones are far tougher and vastly denser than ordinary humans, making him extremely durable to certain degrees, enough that he can tolerate massive amounts of physical pain and damage. His physique, which is uh, rigorously trained to the utmost human limit and is extremely tough and resistant to damage, which allows him to survive dangers that would have killed most other people, like being slammed straight through thick reinforced concrete with little to no injury. That on its own. <laughs> like, okay. Also, master martial artist. <sighs> That's a long one. <laughs> okay. So, Jason Todd is a highly skilled combatant due to having been rigorously and extensively trained by Batman. Although he is, he was always more of a uh, brawler as, as Robin. Following his resurrection, he traveled the world to continue his training, learning every form of martial art he could, just as Batman did. Later on, his combat skill was further improved as he was also trained by Lady Shiva, Bronze Tiger, and the All All Cast, and was considered their most successful pupil. Proving himself to be far more skilled than before, he is capable of defeating multiple opponents such as uh, a room full of Russian mobsters, a room full of ninjas, uh, spiral trainees, undead talons. Uh, For those of you who don't know talons, it's the Court of Owls. They're basically zombie, uh, zombie freaking ninjas. And that a uh, meet uh, metahuman simultaneously by multiple uh, multiplying and breaking limbs off or spines and can even fight blind. He was even capable of holding his own against Batman Nightwing to a standstill and fought Batman a second time for a very long time, but was ultimately defeated because, you know, Batman. 
and that. But yeah, he's he's a badass. He has he's took out the ti- team Titans. So much on there. I can't. I'm not going through all that. That's cool. Okay, Master Marksman. Having been trained by Batman, Jason has perfe- uh, perfect aim when using batarangs and later firearms. To increase his skill with firearms, he went uh, he went a step further than Batman on his journey around the world to learn from the Master how to kill a target with different types of guns. His precision and accuracy is superior to Batman as he is the best marksman of the Bat family. Kind of makes sense. Uh, he is the one. Uh, he is one of the top five marksmen in the entire DC universe. And for those of you who don't know, there's a lot of gun toters in the DC universe. <laughs> so we're gonna move on. Uh, weapons master. He can use every type of blade, firearm, explosive, and heavy military weapon like pistols, shotguns, automatic rifles, sniper rifles, grenades, tasers, rockets rocket launchers he also uses knives shurikens throwing knives swords sticks staffs batarangs and can even turn something as simple as a pen into a deadly weapon jason is even showcased high proficiency with whips against an opponent with superhuman speed who trained you indiana jones catwoman (laughs) maybe (laughs) who knows she might have been mad at bruce that week like yeah yeah i'll show you that not gonna lie though the uh where he could use a pen almost made me think of bullseye from the really bad daredevil movie with the uh oh uh, paper clip oh i was thinking of supernatural when the guy who voiced him in the red hood jensen hackles dean throws the pen in the gun i'm batman that too he also possesses genius-level intellect. After being adopted by Bruce, Jason receives an excellent education, as do all the Robins in that family, um, and tutoring from both private tutors and Bruce. Thus, has deep knowledge in many subjects, including science, math, medicine, geography, criminology, world history, English. He also he's he has also proven to be a highly efficient criminal strategist. Oh yeah, he was. If you just listen to this podcast, you know that. Uh, Jason is shown to be a highly sk- is shown to be highly skilled in mechanics. I mean, stole a tire off the Batmobile. That says everything right there. <laughs> right. As he was uh, performing maintenance and upgrading his motorcycle, car, and helicopter, Bat, uh, Bat Gordon's ex- exoskeleton. He also is proficient in business management, which was seen by a formerly running, owning, and managing Penguin's Iceberg Lounge. That's a weird one. That, that <laughs> That's is. a random. Like I also, uh, I also have a bachelor's in business. <laughs> Why is that on the list, man? <laughs> okay, he has a college GPA of ninety four point eight. I don't know a lot because I didn't graduate college, but I'm assuming that's high. (laughs) That sounds high. Is that high? Can understand and study the uh, Tamaranian language. Starfire. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. That's, uh, yeah, that's an alien language. Holy cow. And is even smart enough to track Starfire's alien spacecraft while it was cloaked. Okay. Yeah, he's got some brains, which is surprising to go with all that brawn. Right? 
So, and I'm sure there's way more. In fact, I'm pretty sure we could just do a whole episode on his skills and weapons, but... I mean, we cut out so much of those paragraphs. We really did. So, to finish this off, we'll move into his other media. Please do. Which, being a somewhat newer character, he actually doesn't have a lot. Especially, he has like almost nothing as Robin. Holy cow, yeah. So, in TV and animation... He is alluded to in Harley Quinn, Teen Titans, and Teen Titans Go, has a cameo in the new Teen Titans short on DC Nation, and appears in Young Justice. In live action, he is mentioned in an episode of the 2002 Birds of Prey TV show, made his live action debut in the 2018 series Titans, where he starts as Robin, but does later return as Red Hood, Uh, makes an appearance in the 2019-2020 Arrowverse crossover event Crisis on Infinite Earths, where his Earth, Earth-9, is erased. Ouch. A, an episode of Batwoman, the death of a Robin at the hands of the Joker's reference, most likely referring to Jason, but they never actually mention anything else. It'd be kind of a, it'd be kind of a derail move if they, if they, if it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, remember when we talked in the Dick Grayson, they tried to do that in the Batman vs. Superman. Mm, fair. <clears throat> Which does get mentioned again here in film. For his live action, he is referenced in Batman vs. Superman by his suit being in the Batcave, which made no sense they tried to make that Dick Grayson. Right? That, that bugs me more now that I know that. Same, it's infuriating, really. Uh, his only other live action is he's referenced in the behind-the-scenes prep for Killer Croc's Violent Suicide Squad, where it mentions Croc killed Jason's family, leading him to become the second Robin, like in the comics. Ha! <laughs> he I actually... Never, huh? Huh, I never knew that. Yeah, me either. He does have the most appearances, like actual appearances in animation film, where obviously he makes his uh, animated debut in Batman Under the Red Hood, a cameo in Batman The Killing Joke, he's in Batman Gotham by Gaslight, Batman Ninja, and Lego DC Batman Family Matters, which is sad that only four appearances counts as his most. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, he does have a chunk of video games. Uh, he's in, his costume appears in DC Universe Online is in Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham, Lego DC Super Villains, and the 3DS and PS Vita versions of Lego Batman 2 DC Superheroes. He is referenced in Batman Arkham City on a challenge map while playing as Tim Drake and fighting the Clayface Joker. He is the titular antagonist in Batman Arkham Knight and is also playable via DS DLC. That honestly was an awesome game. Unfortunately, as a Batman fan, you know it's Jason way too yeah. early in the game. <laughs> I remember why I started playing it, and uh, you were like, I was playing on your PlayStation. I immediately turned to you. I'm like, is that Jason? That's Jason, right? That's the Red Hood. And you're like, I can't say. I'm like, come on. And you're like, yeah, it is. <laughs> I was like, anybody that knows anything about Jason and Batman, like, they would have picked that up so quick. Yeah. Uh, he is in the mobile version of Injustice Gods Among Us and a playable character for Injustice 2. And he is set, like the others we've done this month, to appear in the main as a main character in Gotham Knights coming out on October 21st. Looking forward to that game. I'm down to play for play as Jason. Oh, I already knew you would. <laughs> yeah, that's... It's, it's going to be a Jason and Nightwing kind of game. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, and that, that it? That was it. Okay, well, folks, uh, well, actually, I guess I should ask the question I always ask. You a fan, Joker? Honestly, thanks to Jensen and Under the Red Hood, yes. 
Like, his portrayal, we need a live action version with Jensen as Red Hood. Especially after seeing him a couple years ago dress up as Red Hood for Halloween. Oh my God, right? Don't tease us. Do it, man. I've always been a big fan of this character. And even in recent years, even the new 52s, I gotta tell you, they still do the character justice. So I'm a fan. For anyone that's still listening, if you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode, or even liked the character before from a movie, a comic, cartoon, hell, even that t-shirt that you saw one time, you're a fan too. If you want to jump on this train, why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails. <laughs>